Frank went down faster than I thought gravity would allow. That's how quickly he went down <laughs> on those steps. It was amazing. At least we can laugh about it, I guess. <laughs> but you know what? Having some chunk in the trunk is not the worst thing in the world. Not the hard way. At this point in the postseason, you you don't go out of bounds. You don't run out of bounds. You don't slide. You fight for those extra yards. We're constantly fighting for those extra yards on this podcast. Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Coleman. You have a very forceful handshake, Mr. Coleman. And Greg Thomas. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. It's the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Your multiple times this week podcast about the largest division of college football. We welcome you to the Stag Bowl preview. This is podcast 325, season 16, episode 25, for the podcast for game day, December 16th, 2022. And I'm Pat Coleman, the guy who will be conducting the ceremonial coin toss on Friday night in Annapolis, Maryland, at midfield before Stag Bowl 49. I'm Greg Thomas. I write around the nation. I did not know that. That's very cool. I'm also not the last person on this podcast to introduce today. I'm Frank Rossi, and I did not know that either. And boy, do you get like security protection before the game for this and everything? You know, once upon a time, I remember Western Connecticut fans and Western Connecticut players threatening to meet me at midfield at the Stag Bowl to tell me how wrong I was about their Colonials program. I have been at every Stag Bowl since, and we are still waiting for you guys. I know you're in your mid-40s now. Well, I am at least. Uh, so have you got your technique down, though? Are you going to f- uh, flip it uh, from fingers? Or are you going to just throw it in the air? What are you going to do? Uh, yeah, I've been doing a little practicing. It's going to be like this, I think, where you throw it up and then hit it against your wrist to make sure it gets adequate flip. The last thing you want is a coin toss that's a knuckleball, right? True. Just don't do that gesture in somebody's direction. It might be elite taken let's move on what are the minimum number of flips to be you know sufficiently randomized i assure you commander the cards are sufficiently randomized that's a great question maybe that's something that we'll have to research in the editing process but that is uh, frank rossi you heard greg thomas of course regular here on this podcast and frank an occasional emergency co-host been a little while a relatively frequent guest, and of course, the guy who will be standing on the sidelines in whatever weather there is here in Annapolis. Here on Thursday, as we record this, it is the worst of the cold rain, that mid-Atlantic winter that I hate to high heaven. I am so glad to not have been living here for that for the course of the past 14 years, that's for sure. Well, I'm mayor of the village of Balsa Spa, which is in upstate New York. They're going to get 12 to 18 inches of snow from this same storm, which will not be in this vicinity after tonight, thankfully, Thursday night, that is. And uh, Friday should be pretty clear, high of about 50, and kickoff forecast around 37 degrees, which is not the worst we've ever had in Salem, Texas, Canton, or anywhere else. Well, I think 37 is warmer than one of our Texas kickoffs, right? I think so. I would prefer snow rather than rain, but not 18 inches of snow. So best of luck to you, Mr. Mayor. And we'd like to take this time to let you know that this edition of the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast is sponsored by Stevenson University, the hosts of Stag Bowl 49 here in Annapolis, Maryland. We are here in Annapolis, Maryland Thursday night. I am looking forward to going down to Midnight Madness, this great little kind of confab 
shopping thing, etc. in the middle of this little downtown, which are, we are just a few blocks away from here at our uh, location because, you know, stores open late, Christmassy things. You know what? It's going to be super rainy today, but maybe on Friday we'll go instead. I think that uh, there's maybe some options there for us. Greg, what Pat's trying to say is, hey, folks, come on down <laughs> to this game. We want to see a lot of people show up. Ticket sales, obviously, a lot of people wait for uh, buying their tickets until they know who their teams are. So please come on up. And even if you don't have a rooting interest, come enjoy the game, the surrounding area, and everything else. Absolutely. I've been enjoying my couple of days here so far in Annapolis. We were at the stadium all day yesterday, Frank. The stadium looks great. It's going to be a tremendous venue for this showcase and for this event and for these players. And the players yesterday uh, talked a little bit about their experience in the stadium so far and how great it was to, to get on that field yesterday. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that, right? So we are here for national championship game, the second year in a row that it's been in kind of a gigantic stadium here for NCAA Division Three football. Remember last year at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio, and then here in Annapolis, Maryland, where the Naval Academy plays its regular football games, everybody but Army, basically, on this campus, and it is big. Indeed it is, uh, and it's really integrated into this community. That's the interesting part about this uh, stadium. Like, you're on the downtown path, and then you're just suddenly, you see all the signs for uh, the stadium, and it's enveloped inside uh, neighborhood areas uh, throughout that Annapolis zone over there. So it really is a beautiful and unique situation. I remember Wood Forest Bank Stadium was kind of behind a bunch of business areas, yeah. for instance, and Canton's is off highways, essentially. This is really much more integrated. It reminds me a little bit more of the Salem feel in a lot of ways, except with a much more major stadium feel to it than Salem's. And there's pros and cons to that whole thing. If you don't have a lot of people, it's not going to look very full. Uh, but at the same time, it's going to give uh, this kind of epic feel to the players on the field, the coaches, etc. Yeah, we the playing surface looks great. We saw that yesterday. Painted up nice, ready to go before, you know, Friday of, of game day. Oh, that's interesting. That's helpful. Yes, it is. And yeah, it's the, you know, the, the concourse, the amenities, it's really uh, going to be a really nice stadium. It should be great for guests and players alike. A reminder that our coverage of Stag Bowl 49 begins at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central Time. Frank and Greg and Gordon Mann on our traditional now pregame show. I don't remember how many years we've done pregame show from the parking lot or the sidelines or a venue like that, but we will be ready to do that for you. We'll have, tell us a little bit about who we talked to, because then we're going to hear from most of those players and coaches coming up in a few minutes. We'll have Mount Union players, uh, that's Braxton Plunk, Wayne Ruby, and Mason McMillan. And then on the North Central side, we will have uh, Luke Lanen, Ethan Greenfield, and... Antoine Walker, who, uh, you know what, can't forget Antoine Walker. I think uh, Keith makes an allusion to maybe forgetting him uh, <laughs> in terms of not getting on the plane. It might be one of those chances for Mount Union to win the game. Well, we can confirm that Antoine Walker did make the plane, will be here playing, and uh, Mount Union fans will not be thrilled to hear that, I'm sure. But we'll have those uh, folks. We'll have the uh, Glardy Trophy uh, naming of the winner as well uh, toward the top of the show, so make sure to join us for that as well. And uh, always uh, we'll get a Mount Union and a North Central guest as well as talk about the game. So we're going to have questions from the mailbag 
that we'll deal with some of these questions in a little bit. And we'll talk, as you mentioned, we'll talk to each of these people. Why don't we hear first from Jeff Dart? Jeff Dart, the head coach of Mount Union. And last Saturday, he was asked a little bit about Tyler Echeverry's performance, him coming off the bench. And he gave more of a general answer about guys coming off the bench and asked again about that on Wednesday. Here was his answer. Yeah, it's a next man up mentality. And we're fortunate. Um, I kind of just talked about the depth aspect of, you know, on good football teams, when you make it this far in the playoffs, you're going to have your bumps and your bruises. Um, And it just hasn't been Tyler. I'm not trying to take anything away from from his game last week, but he went into the game and, you know, no one flinched, right? Okay, DeAndre got a little dinged up. um, and, And that's the special thing about Mount Union is when one guy goes down, we know someone's going to step up and, uh, you know, him and the other guys on the team on Friday night will be ready to step up and do their, um, have their opportunity to help, you know, play for a national championship. It's kind of like, basically, he still didn't really want to single out Tyler Echeverry. I was kind of surprised by that. This is an opportunity to shout out one of your guys who did a great job, got a game ball. So that's important from us, but did a great job in the national semifinals. He did do a great job, stepped in when DeAndre Parker went down. Uh, Probably going to see quite a bit of Tyler Echeverry this week. And Tyler Echeverry, you know, feels a little bit like an X-factor. He's been, you know, the the backup running back at Mount Union this season. You haven't seen a ton of him in high-leverage situations. He's been getting a little little more time throughout these playoffs. Had a big role in the second half on Saturday. And he's one of those guys that, you know, you haven't seen a lot of him. And maybe he's a guy that Mount Union can get the ball to to balance out their offense and keep – North Central's defense honest and and off of uh, overplaying Wayne Ruby and, and Manley and those guys. Yeah, for those wondering about Devontae Parker, they brought him uh, for the press conference, but there was a walking boot involved. That's about all I can say. Is you can see him publicly around town in that respect, so that's not giving away anything everybody doesn't know. But uh, will he play in this game? Who knows? I mean, anything's possible, and they're not going to commit one way or the other, so we'll see what happens here. But Echeverry at least had a very good day on Saturday and proves that he is worthy of a starting role if necessary in this game. I am famously not a doctor. When I looked at Parker and then heard what you guys described of him on Wednesday, I think high ankle sprain, and I don't know how that enables you to come back six days later, not even seven. You may be right, but you know what? I, I think that we, we've seen the level of gamesmanship going on by both teams uh, in this situation, so I'm not going to stick my neck out to make any kind of predictions one way or, one way or another in this whole thing. Uh, I hope the best for Devontae because obviously you don't want to see a player injured and not get to enjoy the fruits of their labor in a game like this, but as it stands right now, they are primed at running back no matter what, and we'll see what happens with it on Friday. I hear all you out there. Uh, we do know it's DeAndre Parker. DeAndre Parker probably, you know, game time decision is probably the best we can do right now. We'll keep an eye on warm-ups on Friday night during the pregame uh, report as we see uh, from the field. Another conversation on Wednesday chatted with Wayne Ruby. Wayne Ruby talking about one of any wide receiver's favorite subjects. That's the quarterback who's thrown to him. Here he talks about Braxton Plunk. When he came in as a freshman, uh, and I was a sophomore, so uh, we we seen he was extremely talented. He was smart. You know, as a freshman, you, it's unlikely to see that. You know, uh, but you know, 
you know, he threw me a majority of my touchdowns in 2019 when I was a sophomore. So, like, we just been clicking since then because I was a second teamer. He was a second teamer. You know, we were behind some great guys. Like, I was behind Justin Hill. He was behind D'Angelo Fulford. So, you know, just sitting back, you know, just when it's our time, you know, we, we, we got it and we did, we, had, we did what we had to do. I know you guys also talked about the flukiness slash amazing catch back in week 11. That is five weeks ago, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But since you guys were there and saw his demeanor, I kind of wanted to hear what you saw when he was talking about that amazing play. Honesty, honestly, uh, is what I saw there because uh, he basically said he thought it, they were Dunsville uh, with uh, that pass, how short it was, and at least kept his eye on it long enough to realize that there was still a chance for it. And uh, kind of a little bit of a jubilation sparkle in his eye when he talked about I was there to catch it, at least. There's that play. There's the getting behind the defense on fourth down play last week. Yep. This is a man that is taking this on his shoulders. And I said it multiple times on Wednesday. I'm going to say it now. Wayne Ruby has a certain passion behind him to make sure this team wins this season, this game, et cetera, and we'll see if he's got enough, uh, let's say, magic uh, left in him to maybe make that happen on Friday. They're going to need a full team effort, not just Wayne Ruby, though, Greg. Yeah, you know, it may have been lucky that the ball bounced off of the helmet, but it's not luck that Wayne Ruby was in a position to be around the ball. He works really hard. He makes a lot of catches and a lot of big catches for Mount Union, not by accident. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a great receiver. He's always working to get to the ball. I think at one point in our conversation, he, he said, I always expect to get the ball thrown at me. So he's ready on every snap, and, you know, the – that pays off in situations like that at Baldwin Wallace. One other thing he said uh, I found interesting, I, I kind of alluded to last year, you know, obviously the game, North Central, sort of tamped him down a little bit at certain times in that game. And he really, truly believes that they didn't stop him. The weather stopped the team's offense essentially more than they stopped him. He's confident in his abilities against this North Central defense coming up on Friday. Not just Wayne Ruby, of course. In the wide receiving core for Mount Union, we've seen big catches from Jaden Manley, Edwin Reed. Edwin Reed, who was on the two deep the last time that Mount Union was in the Stag Bowl. And then, of course, Orion Finley as well. These are the other guys who will have to presumably make some catches. Greg pointed out uh, on Wednesday, I'll let him speak to it, but there aren't many guys left uh, from the 2018 roster last time they were in the Stag Bowl on this roster. Yeah, it's an interesting juxtaposition, really, for Mount Union. Over the years, they've been the team that has been through, you know, 14 or 15 games every season. They have the experience going through the short week and the the media stuff and the travel and all of that with Stagwell Week. And this year, situation is flipped. They don't have very many guys who have been through this previously. Uh, plenty of guys on the coaching staff, for sure. But players, you know, this is kind of a first time for a lot of those guys. North Central, on the other hand, whole boatload of those guys have been through this for two or three times now. Derek Bradley, starting quarterback, one of those other guys who was on that roster back in 2018 when they went to the Stag Bowl, and I have left somebody out. Jesse Vale. Jesse Vale is another one of those guys. Bradley returned kicks in 2018. I think that's what I'm remembering. And now, of course, he starting senior quarterback, one of the many Purple Raiders out of Bradenton, Florida, also on the defense for Mount Union, Mason McMillan, senior, who's had a pretty big season himself. And here he talks about the performance of the Purple Raiders defense in general. I mean, I think everyone's played an instrumental part in having a good year on defense. I mean, everyone's done their job. People have stepped up, made really good plays. We had a lot of people that can do different things. And I think our ability to move around on defense a lot, we have a 
pretty good amount of speed on the field. So I think that helps us out. And we got a lot of older kids that help lead the younger kids when they get their opportunity. And we've had some younger kids who've um, obviously got their real first opportunity this year and stepped up and played amazing. So we've had a lot of experience and young kids kind of come together. And I think it's made it for a good year. I was looking at his stats the other day, over 100 tackles. And in this day and age, in Division Three, to have that kind of figure tells you how special and important this player is uh, to them. And so McMillan is going to be key, I think, in this game to at least try to tamp down that North Central offense, which uh, will not be easy, Greg. No, it won't be easy. Uh, McMillan and his fellow linebackers, really big chore here. They've got to be the support to go get Ethan Greenfield. They also have to keep track of Luke Landon uh, at, from the linebacker position and make sure he doesn't get loose. A lot of responsibilities for those guys, and it's going to be a big challenge. You know, North Central has shown that they can beat you at every level of the defense, and it's going to be a big tall for Mount Union, but their defense has been great all year, just, just as good as North Central's defense, I believe, uh, for most of the season, and, you know, that's going to be a really important matchup that Mount Union defense against the uh, North Central offense. You mentioned that high number of tackles. That's actually fairly unusual for a Mount Union defender. Typically, those guys either rotate in and out so much or the number ones don't play very long into the game that you might have a guy who is like an All-American defensive end who had 24 tackles all season, and that's legitimately because he's one of the best at his position. And that's, that's interesting about Mason McMillan, though. Yeah, I mean, last week he had eight tackles, I believe it was, against Wartburg. It's just, it was consistency all season, and that, that's what he really shows. Uh, you'll hear more about it uh, in the pregame show, probably about the uh, fact that this was not his first starting point outside of high school, and what landed him here uh, with Mount Union, uh, ultimately, and uh, loves that decision, obviously, best decision in his life, and uh, he's just such a key player for them that we'll be watching for him on Friday. We'll take a break and we'll be back with more about North Central. We'll go to the mailbag. We have a surprise for you. And yeah, we'll give you our predictions because you'll have already read them in quick hits by the time this podcast drops. And we want to recognize a group of people that have really helped make D3Football.com, D3Sports.com, this podcast, etc. happen in 2021 and 2022 and those are our supporters using the patreon service patreon supporters or patrons if you like to think of them that way are people who help support content producers artists musicians anywhere where you know having the ability to provide a small amount of money on a monthly basis is beneficial to supporting that endeavor and making it happen our Patreon supporters have been great. They've been with us all year, really for the better part of two years now, going back to uh, the suspension of the of the football season in 2020. Like Pat said, we couldn't be here in Annapolis bringing all of this coverage to you this week from the site itself uh, for Stagwell Week without the support of those Patreon supporters. So thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, you can continue to support the website at d3football.com. Uh, you can also help support the website by telling your friends and fellow football fans about uh, d3football.com and our Patreon subscription. And 
folks always uh, ask me from the in the huddle side, you know, what can we do to help you guys out? And for us, we always say we don't have the operating costs that D3Football.com has. Go support D3Football.com because that's the backbone of our D3 community, realistically, with all the scoreboards and all the news and everything else. And that's what we draw from on our show, too. So we completely endorse uh, my co-host James Baker and I, this Patreon uh, method of getting folks involved and helping support D3Football.com. Folks, Christmas time, if you don't know what to get somebody, get them a reoccurring subscription to D3Football.com's version of Patreon out there, please. So to do that, you can go to Patreon.com slash D3Sports, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Or, you know, if a recurring thing maybe isn't your bag, go to D3Sports.com slash help for a more of a one-time gift. Tis the season and all that jazz. All right, guys, so a lot has been made about Mountain Union not having been here in a hot minute, but, you know, North Central also has some inexperience in one key spot. It's Brad Spencer. He's in his first year as head coach, although obviously he was an assistant for many years, including for the Cardinals' first two Stag Bowl trips. Here's what he told us on Wednesday. I mean, I think everyone's played an instrumental part in having a good year on defense. I mean, everyone's done their job. People have stepped up, made really good plays. We got a lot of people that can do different things, and I think our ability to move around on defense a lot, we have a pretty good amount of speed on the field, so I think that helps us out. And we got a lot of older kids that help lead the younger kids when they get their opportunity. We've had some younger kids who've um, obviously got their real first opportunity this year and stepped up and played amazing. So we've had a lot of experience and young kids kind of come together, and I think it's made it for a good year. Not all that dissimilar, Greg, to when we talked to him back in March, right? The things that you do as a head coach for the first time in the regular season are some of the things that you do right now as a head coach in the Stag Bowl for the first time. It is. He has, you know, he's had a great mentor with Jeff Thorne for the last two tournaments prior to this one. So he's got a good idea of, of how this week goes and how to prepare. And when you talk to Brad Spencer, and you can hear it through the interview, he's so calm and measured. It doesn't seem like the moment is ever too big for him. It doesn't feel like he's scrambling for anything. He's got, he's got it under control, and I think that is something that carries through to his players as well. The interesting thing that we heard a couple times from him on Wednesday, though, is this insistence of suggesting that his team wants to be like Mount Union, that that's the paradigm. And a lot of people that haven't been around this for how many years wouldn't really think that's a great statement to make because North Central is the team here for the third straight time in the Stag Bowl. Mount Union hasn't been in since 2018. But still, to this day, because of the decade's worth of history with Mount Union, a guy like Brad Spencer, new to the head coaching circuit, says flat out, we want to be like Mount Union. I mean, that's basically the exact same thing that Jeff Thorne was saying to his team across the years, including an audio clip which we ran back in, I believe it might have been Podcast 286, a podcast in which we recorded... Coach Thorne's very loud, a very boisterous post-game segment on the field to his players within full hearing of pretty much anybody who wanted to hear it at Wheaton College, and it was maybe struck a little bit of a raw nerve, but they want to be the machine. That is who they want to be, and Brad Spencer is carrying that along, even if the delivery might be slightly different. Indeed, and uh, it's still, to me, 
who's who and what's what in Division Three until we're far down from something like this. If let's say Mountain Union were to fade off somehow, there still would be a lot of people saying, "I want to be Mountain Union or like Mountain Union of days gone by." It, it there will be decades before I think really we get away from people saying that they at least have the memories and the institutional knowledge of Division Three. I can only assume that once upon a time people said they wanted to be like Augustana. They didn't. So far, nobody has um, with four consecutive championships. But we have a, a really – it's a really interesting dynamic we have here where, you know, Mount Union is a team that's been knocked out of the tournament the last two tournaments by North Central. So they're they're chasing them a little bit, although they're a little reluctant to say exactly that. And North Central, who, you know, has won two games in a row against Mount Union and has a championship and more, you know, stag bowl appearances recently – saying that they want to be like Mount Union. So there's a sort of a double underdog situation thing going on here. And it's, it's been kind of an interesting thing to watch play out this week. So yes, North Central has beaten Mount Union twice in a row, but they did not win the Stag Bowl last year in 2021. And Ethan Greenfield takes a moment to tell us a little bit about that feeling after the game and how they channeled it going forward. I think a lot of us kind of sat there and just soaked in that feeling. Just to remember, because I think that our team has confidence that we, uh, we're going to have the talent to be able to be back in the same thing, in the same situation. Um, and I think that a lot of us remembered that throughout training and throughout fall camp and then throughout the season, remembering like that feeling and doing everything to avoid it. And now here comes really like the point where we get to put all that frustration that we felt then and really put it all on the field to completely now avoid that from happening this season. That moment watching Mary Harden Baylor celebrate that championship last year, it is clearly something that has stuck with this team. They have been focused and dominant for really 14 games out of 14 so far this season. Without a break, by the way, North Central started in week two, so they did not have a bye week. They've been going uh, week by week, I mean, really crushing everybody that they've played. And yeah, I mean, it seems that that's the motivating factor is that they don't want to be the team watching uh, at the end of Friday's game. I asked uh, Coach Spencer and Luke Lane in, in a preseason interview about that moment. Again, I have not seen that happen in my, what is this, my 17th or 16th Stag Bowl uh, on the sidelines where the, the team that did not win the game stayed out there for that long and they were coy about it. They weren't suggesting that that was done intentionally or that there was anything they were taking away from it. As the season has progressed, as we've gotten into the playoffs, and I've asked the same question and pointed it out again, they've become a lot more open and honest about the fact that, yes, it was intentional, and yes, it sucked for them, and yes, it's left that bad taste in their mouth that they want to correct, but then the question ultimately is, are we correcting losing to Mary Harden Baylor in that way, or are we correcting not winning the Stag Bowl? And Ethan Greenfield during the press conference portion admitted, for five minutes we kind of thought about the idea that, hey, we corrected the error from last year losing to Mary Harden Baylor, but then we realized we haven't done anything yet really until we win this Stag Bowl, that we, we've got to continue now for one more. And again, this year the shoe is on the other foot now this week for North Central where, you know, last week they had the, the sort of revenge game going on for them and, and this year it's it's kind of the other way around. As much as Ethan Greenfield has been a key part, the key part in a lot of days of the North Central offense, it's actually Luke Lanen who has been leading the team in rushing yards throughout the playoffs and that is having a lot of running room, and Luke Lane talks to us about that. 
a lot of it is just teams are really focused on uh, our great running backs and Ethan Greenfield and Terrence Hill. That it makes my job a lot easier to be able to run the ball a little bit more. And I think also coming in this year, I was a little bit heavier, so maybe we weren't as concerned as me potentially like getting those injuries that I got last year uh, because of that. And I just think uh, teams sometimes forget about me and put all their focus on Ethan, which I kind of like because I get to run the ball. But uh, I think that's just really it. I just I've been seeing uh, open space and running to it important part key part about Luke Lanen coming in now as fully a sophomore or a COVID sophomore or however you want to describe it a guy who has bulked up a little bit and that seems to have helped yeah it, it was really interesting how he admitted he was underweight last year and may have hurt him his endurance and ability to withstand certain injuries by being so and now it was obvious when he came in uh, the season he had bulked up as I had suggested to him during the during the interview it sounds like he's put on about 15 pounds from uh, certain points last season which for a guy like him is a lot of muscle mass you're just admiring his guns we know <laughs> absolutely yeah, you know me uh, anyway no uh, Luke is somebody that took it seriously. I, I remember some of the joking back and forth, how he looked so small compared to the Mount Union uh, defenders in the semifinal game last year during our player versus player interviews uh, last year. But I think he actually felt that way, that he, he knew he looked small and he was playing. He was honest about that shoulder, that that shoulder was not 100% in the Stag Bowl last year. We all kind of had sensed something was not right there, and indeed he wasn't. Here he comes in, what we think is – at or near 100% as 100% as you can be in the 15th to 16th week of a season like this. And so I, I look forward to seeing what full strength, full throttle Luke Lanin can do on this stage. Yeah, similar to Luke Lanin, you know, I felt a little underweight last year as well. I spent the off season putting on a few pounds myself and uh, I feel so great. So did I, so many pounds. I feel great for Stag Bowl 49, as does Luke Lanin, but it has been interesting to watch over the course of this postseason and the last two weeks in particular to see Luke Lanin kind of become the focal point of North Central's offense. He's, you know, rushing for well over 100 yards in the last couple of games. Last week, he threw four touchdowns to four different receivers, which I think is another important thing where, you know, the wide receiver situation at North Central has made, uh, you know, Luke Lane in a little uh, D'Angelo Hardy centric. And last week, he found a couple of tight ends and an extra wide receiver for touchdowns as well. So starting to see that offense incredibly spread out more and you almost need 12 or 13 guys to to cover everybody out there Luke Lanin is going to be I think the the key point for Mount Union to focus on how are you going to spy him what are you going to do with Greenfield you know it's it's so much to deal with you yeah you spy him so you're playing a 4-4-4 defense right to a certain degree, to, 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 to the degree you can do it, yes. Greg, if you uh, want to gain weight next time, just go into politics at 46. I guarantee you'll gain the wrong weight, by the way. Also, I have to say, you guys can't make me laugh like that if I am going to just break into a coughing fit at any moment. One of the secrets of the podcast over the past eight weeks is how often we have paused so that I can clear my throat, put some more hot tea in my system so that I can sound as not awful as I have. It is really hard to do that when all three of us are in the same room. All right, one last player that uh, our crew talked to, and that is Antoine Walker. So, Greg, 
asked him some great questions about facing Wayne Ruby and how that compares to, you know, defending Brandon Jordan of Mary Harden Baylor. You can hear all of those things on tomorrow's show, but there was also plenty of time for some light moments as well. There's a lot of great hair on this team. Ethan, Gilroy, Coach Spencer, who has the best hair? <laughs> best hair, I would for sure say, is, uh, is between Ethan and all three of them have great hair. So um, I, I would say, I would say Dan or Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Coach. <laughs> Sorry, Coach. Guys, am I getting the Brad Spencer hair is just having hair at an age like, you know, he and I and kind of the rest of us in this room are? Is that what we're getting at here? It's not really just that he has hair. I mean, that is that is a well-oiled machine up there, and it's really kind of impressive. I, let me tell you something. Uh, if I could have the hair that Ethan Greenfield has at this point in time, oh. I, I mean, I, I would grow it out in a heartbeat. There's no way it would work on me uh, or uh, grow out in any kind of uh, fast fashion. One of the things I will say, though, is in that's this is for both these teams. They are families uh, in and of themselves, and uh, young and old are able to really yuck it up with each other and everything else. And you know, after what is always a tough, enduring season like this, uh, to see these guys joking back and forth and having fun to a certain degree, even at this point, is really a great feeling. Great to see this, and that's one of the uh, YD3 moments. If this was D1, you wouldn't see, I think, this level of joking around and having fun like we do right now. I know none of us in this room played safety in Division Three or played defensive back. We will ask this question again with Keith, maybe in keys to the game on Friday night. Obviously, Walker's got a big assignment. You guys have thoughts on Walker defending Wayne Ruby? Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we saw him match up with Brandon Jordan for much of the game last week in the semifinal. And Brandon Jordan won some of those, and Antoine Walker won some of those. Antoine Walker won enough to get a game ball, which, as we know, is really, really high commodity. It's the most important uh, award you can give out, really. It really is on a week-to-week basis. And, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of the same this week with uh, Antoine Walker and Wayne Ruby. And he sounded really excited about the matchup and the challenge. Wayne Ruby is going to win some of those, and Antoine Walker is going to win some of those. In the end, I, I kind of think that Mount Union their ability to score enough points to win this game is going to depend largely on how they work away from Antoine Walker and getting Manley and Finley involved. Uh, the way they did against Wartburg early, it was really Wayne Ruby that came on later in that game. They, they established the other guys early first, and that is a big part of what led to Mount Union advancing through the semifinal. Yeah, and I, I said my quick hit, I'll say it here again, that the deep ball will not be there at least early on for Mount Union. I'm confident on that. And that they're going to have to take what is given to them by uh, North Central. That doesn't mean they lose the game. That means that they have to play a different strategic game like they started to do against Wartburg. And I, I think that eventually, if they're successful in that, they will open up that deep game later on in the game. Uh, but I, I don't see this game going into the 40s and 50s or anything like that. I see more of a, a deliberate pace because of the defensive chess match that we'll see on both sides of this. Close to flagging you for offsides predictions coming up in just a little bit. Obviously, some fun on Wednesday during media day. There is plenty of room for fun all over this podcast, and here's a little more of it for you. (music) 
It's the most wonderful time of the year. With just two teams remaining, there's no use complaining. If skies aren't so clear, it's way that we fear. It's the most wonderful time of the year. This was the craze, craziest season of all. Those great games from September got us to December. One magical fall. The best season of all. It's the craze, craziest season of all. There'll be crab cakes for eating, new friends to be meeting, and tailgating out in the rain. Out in the rain. Great stories for repeating, or maybe three-peating. Count up all those trophies again. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Three times straight for North Central. Yes, all are sequential, so it would appear. How it looks here, it's because everyone skipped a year. We all miss 2020, but others miss plenty of stagpoles in recent campaigns. Recent campaigns. There's Sparkle Man's new fame. This isn't a home game. The stadium has fighter planes. It's too bad. It's too dark for a flyover, right? It's the most oh, wonderful, wonderful time of the year. Welcome back, Purple Raiders. Hey, don't call us haters. We're glad that you're here. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time. The most wonderful time to drink beer. Frank, you okay? Yeah, I'm just trying to find the YouTube video on how to cancel a Patreon subscription. <laughs> oh, you probably wouldn't be the first. <laughs> 2022, one of the best seasons of Division Three football ever. On this podcast, maybe the most original Pat Coleman content in Around the Nation. I'm going to say this. One of the things that bugs me most about the Andy Williams song is it just does like the same three things over and over. We do not take shortcuts here on this podcast. Every stanza has a unique piece of content for it thank you very much and if you struggle with play-by-play on friday night i'm going to tell you in your ear on the sideline that's what you get for singing songs on your podcast worth it no regrets your categories have become tiresome you've got mail tiresome. that's the time of the podcast where we go to the mailbag you know how this works. We put out the call on Twitter, and responding, responding to the call was the third division who said, Mount Union's last two losses have been in the playoffs against North Central. Is there a sense of revenge among the Mount Union coaching staff and players? I'm going to Greg first. So We did ask about this at the press conference yesterday, and they were pretty adamant that it's not about revenge. It's about you know winning that national championship and bringing that back to Mount Union regardless of who they're playing. But I don't think you can get away from the fact that this is the team that has beat them the last two tournaments. And so 
you know, they're not saying openly that it's a it's a revenge situation, but certainly there's a, some familiarity there, and it does seem like we're starting, you know, like they're starting to get an entry here to like the kind of Mount Union Whitewater series where they keep bumping into each other in the playoffs. In this case, Frank, right? Someone has taken their mantle. This is their opportunity to get it back. It can't not be a factor, right? No. And anybody that tells you otherwise is trying to be gracious, courteous, avoid it, and all that stuff. There is a sense of revenge always when a team beats you. I don't care who you are. You could be an 0 10 team, a 5 5 team, or whatever, and somebody beats you, and you want to go out there and show them that you are the man on the field at that point in time. So when you get to this high stakes of division three football, this is revenge. This has got to be, because if this team beats you three times in a row, what do people start saying out there about, you know, the upper echelon of division three football? So there's a revenge factor. Absolutely. Is it your main motivi- motivating force? No, you want to win a national championship if you're Mount Union uh, for a lot of different reasons. But when it comes down to it, to have, North Central be the team that's in front of you, you can solve a lot of your old problems by winning on Friday night. Another question from Antoine Cuff, CPA at Cuffy Cakes 08, who is a guy who I hope will be at the game on Friday night, because I think this is his part of the country. To get to Stag, is it elite players or elite coaching, or a special combination that both players and coaches work through during offseason and regular season? It's not just elite players, it's depth of elite players and that's what we've seen uh you're gonna have injuries throughout a season every team starting in september has a certain number of elite players how many of them can remain healthy and for teams like these you look look at what happened last week with deandre parker next man up is there and is capable of being there and everything else that's what you expect from a mount union a north central mary harden baylor etc out there that's what makes these teams elite in my mind. The coaches are great, no doubt, but you have to have the depth at every position to be able to do this. Yeah, the depth is really key. I mean, you have to be really good at the X's and O's too, but the depth is really key, and I think that that's where the differentiator is between the teams that sort of make it to the second or maybe the third round every now and then and the teams that advance to the quarterfinal and semifinal round regularly. I think that's the difference between those two is that the the really elite teams, the North Centrals, the Mount Unions, they can rotate defensive linemen. They can rotate offensive linemen. They can withstand an injury to DeAndre Parker if they need to. And that's really where I think the elite teams and the really top tier stand out. As in, it's not just your X's and O's, it's your Jimmy's and Joe's, and more Jimmy's and a few more Joe's, and maybe some extra Jimmy's sprinkled on top. Remember, Blaze Fagiano, head coach of Utica last year in his first year uh, in the committee, he came to the Stag Bowl and saw the size of coaching staffs and the size of players and depth of the benches, ultimately, in that respect. And he went away, I think, enlightened about the fact of if Utica were to be able to compete at this level. Or whatever level they want to play. Yeah, at. yeah. But <laughs> nonetheless, the point being that they needed to be able to match up in that type of scenario. And they aren't at that point yet. But now that they've seen it, and if they remain in Division Three, they know better what you need to get here to this point in time. And it was enlightening for him. He still talks about it to this day. I think one of the things, too, is you have to be able to maintain it over 
a number of years, right? It's not just making that occasional run to the third round, to the quarterfinals or whatever. It's being able to do that. Like playing into December is your baseline. Playing the quarterfinal game is, is the baseline of success for you. And then to be honest with you, you get a couple of things, right? The stuff that Brad Spencer talked about on the show last week about having the extra weeks of practice. And those are the things that the Mountain Union folks used to say and the Whitewater folks used to say too, right? You are getting all that extra practice and all those extra games for your guys. That's important. And then also, you know, there's been a lot of talk this week about the number of players who formerly played in Division One who are on some of these teams. And that is not unusual at all. You need those kind of guys to win Division Three football championships, to be playing in December. You need guys who could have played at the Division One level, regardless of whether they started their career there or not. Yeah, and it's, it's really hard to get past that level, that second or third round level to semifinal and final level. How long did North Central stay just below the top tier before they finally broke through and got into a second semifinal and then on to a championship. But the fifth year phenomenon is definitely playing a role in certain cases. And next year, it's going to be, I think, the last year we're going to really be able to talk about it as really that factor. But teams like Wartburg can come back, uh, probably make another run. Owen Grover, I believe, is coming back uh, as are other members of his senior class, quote-unquote. Uh, and you've got a lot of that going around even in the upper echelons, and it's making things interesting. It's making them competitive because these guys have that extra year of strength building and experience and everything else. Uh, Teams like Trinity, Texas have a lot of guys coming back for a fifth year, it sounds like, as well. This is going to be an interesting 2023 coming up. We'll talk more about that, obviously, after Stag, but this is still a phenomenon, and it especially affected us, I think, in 2022 because a lot of guys strategically said, I want to be back. I mean, I agree with you. There's certainly all of this talent. There were a lot of six-year guys at Wheaton last year that helped fuel that run where they looked really good until they got buzzsawed by Central. But everybody has these guys, right? All the elite teams have those guys. So that's the only reason why you know I'm not so convinced that that is an advantage because I feel like so many of these teams have those people. Yes and no. I I think it is allowing certain teams that we haven't been talking about in certain conferences along the way to start becoming names suddenly, that they're, they're getting a talent pool that we wouldn't have expected to show up each and every week. And I think some of the teams we saw go deeper into the playoffs were because of that fact of what they had. The common thing every time I was interviewing guys was fifth year this and fifth year that, or in certain cases, yeah, we're coming back next year for another year. And it's like, well, this will be a team to watch then uh, in 2023. I, I think even some of the references from Wednesday by both of the teams in the Stag Bowl about fifth years was important, that these are important, not just leaders, but players for them on those fields. Time for predictions. We've all written our predictions in quick hits. I say that having at the moment of this recording not written a prediction in quick hits. So I'll start my prediction for Friday. I'm going to start off with the score. You guys can do however you want. Uh, North Central 35, Mount Union 24. I think this is a game, and I think it's just a game where, you know, at the end, North Central gets one more defensive stop or gets one more touchdown. They get out ahead somewhere. I don't know that it's necessarily even Mount Union mistakes like we saw last week. Mount Union mistakes in the semifinals last year against North Central, seemingly at inopportune times. 
I don't even know that it's necessarily that. I think we see just a good straight-up game played against each other. I think North Central completes more passes than people anticipate. I think that D'Angelo Hardy has a better game than most people think. I think that the Mount Union linebackers have significant trouble working with passes over the middle. I think those will be available if that's something that North Central chooses to make use of. And then once they do and complete some of those, what do you got? You got space, you got Luke Lanin, you got him already in fourth gear by the time he takes his second step. And I just feel like that is just a little bit too much for Mount Union to handle. I think Mount Union is very talented. People may remember I had them number one on my ballot for a good portion of the year up until that kind of lull at the end of the season where they gave up a bunch of fourth quarter points to John Carroll, and then they did it again to Baldwin Wallace and nearly lost. We haven't seen too much of that Mount Union team in the playoffs, and I don't expect to see it on Friday, but I do expect to see North Central come away with this win by more than one touchdown. If I remember correctly, you have the lead or a share of the lead in our quick hits picks, correct? Uh, Ryan Tips and I share the lead, which seems like something that happens a lot. Ryan Tips is this silent but deadly assassin in our picks. I love it. Well, unfortunately for me, I guess I'm going to be conceding uh, at least, uh, you know, the chance of getting into the victory spot here and uh, agree with you. And North Central wins this game 30-27. to 27. A couple things, and I, I, a lot more about it in our quick hit uh, paragraphs or whatever you want to call it. Um, North Central, to me, is this team that is figuring out ways early and often to sprint out to the lead and hold on, but also has that second attempt at that gear when they need it in a game. Uh, against Wheaton, they showed that. Against UMHB, they showed that as that game tightened up. And I understand Kyle King's injury played a role in that second half, but it didn't play a 28 to nothing role in that second half or whatever it was there. The thing that concerns me for Mount Union's sake is that I'm not sure the defense is up to the par of what we've seen in terms of national championship Mount Union defenses in the past. And the one thing that really opened my eyes was that Carter Henry 59-yard touchdown pass yeah. last week. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this is moving in almost slow motion, it feels like, and where in the heck is the defense right now? And that was not just a small gaping hole in that defense. It was a large one. And so I, th- those moments have happened a couple of times uh, throughout these playoffs, and it concerns me to a level where I think when you look at the offenses, I think they have some definite comparison points. Uh, similarities. The defenses right now, I just give a slight edge, uh, I think, to North Central. And overall, I give the edge to North Central on a neutral field here because the last two times we're both, as we've chronicled, in alliance. Having this in a neutral field is an interesting uh, dynamic as well. Small gaping hole. Greg, yep. go ahead. I'm going to go with North Central 38, Mount Union 31 in this game. I do think it's going to be a competitive game. But I do, I do not think that Mount Union has enough players on defense. You're only allowed 11. Like I said earlier, you might need more to cover all of the things that North Central might be able to throw at you. They, they're going to have to play up a little bit from the linebacker level to deal with Greenfield and to keep tabs on Luke Lanon before he turns a corner and is up the field for 50 yards. When you do that... You vacate the middle the middle level, mm-hmm. and that's where Luke Lanin can get you. And we saw Wartburg really exploit that a lot last week. 
against Mount Union. I don't know how we keep North Central from scoring into the high 30s in this game. I do think Mount Union can score points. They are very explosive and very talented offensively. Teams have not scored more than two touchdowns against North Central this season, except for one time Wheaton got 20 points. Nobody else has scored more than two touchdowns against this North Central defense. So, you know, it's a lot of credit to Mount Union, and I think that they can be able to score in a way that other teams have not. I just don't know if they can score enough to keep up with North Central. It's interesting, though, Greg. I, I think this is that turn of events where we usually say you don't want to get into a shooting match with uh, Mount Union down the field and on the scoreboard and everything else. But in this case, I think Mount Union knows enough that they don't want to get into that match with North Central the, the, because they're not going to win that type of scenario probably with those weapons you point out. And as a result, I think they play a more ball control, clock control game to try to think, keep the thing close to win it late. I don't think either team views themselves as able to run away with this thing, and that's an important uh, factor in this. If you haven't seen Quick Hits, you've got those three predictions and how many more, Greg? We have our regular uh, seven-person playoff team plus two guest pickers from, uh, from each side, so we will have some, some balanced coverage uh, with our with our guest pickers at the very least. Balanced coverage, that's like a cover four or something, right? Says someone who knows nothing about this sort of thing. And this was Around the Nation podcast number 325, released on December 16th, 2022. Thanks for listening and keep an eye out for the rest of our coverage here in Annapolis, Maryland. You can support production of this podcast and the D3Sports.com family of websites by visiting patreon.com slash D3Sports. But even if you can't afford to support us financially, you can help us out by telling a friend, a classmate, fellow alum of your school about this show. You can also rate and review us in the various places where people rate and review podcasts. You can reach us to talk more about Division Three football on Twitter using the D3FB hashtag. I'm at D3Football. Greg is at Wally Wabash. Frank is at Frank Rossi. And if you want to wish uh, Keith well or, you know, just get ready for Friday, he is at D3Keith. We have a message board devoted to Division Three sports. Did you know? You can join the conversation by registering to post at D3Boards.com. And you can also follow D3Football.com on Facebook. The executive producer of the Around the Nation podcast is Pat Coleman. Production assistance provided by Dave McHugh. Hey, Dave, buddy, we are thinking of you. We are sorry you're not able to be here this weekend, but we're thinking of you and your family at this time. Also production assistance provided by Damara O'Malley and Frank Rossi and Greg Thomas and, frankly, the Division Three football committee, let's be honest, and the local organizing committee from Stevenson University and the Naval Academy and everybody who has helped make this the stag bowl weekend that it already is and will be our theme music is power 2 by dj mentos we use more of his tracks as well and you can find them at djmentos.com as well as on spotify thanks to jeff dart to wayne ruby to mason mcmillan to brad spencer to ethan greenfield to luke lane and to antoine walker for joining us on this podcast thanks to frank rossi Thanks to Greg Thomas, my co-host, and thanks to the guy who's going to come and do color so I don't have to talk for three and a half hours on Friday night, the originator of Around the Nation on D3Football.com, Keith McMillan. We didn't do any under-overs. I think it's a nice little thing we ever, ever so often do. Hey, let's do it real quick then. Ethan Greenfield, 100 yards under or over. Rushing. Good, good clarification. I'm going to say over. Not by much, but over. I will also go over Ethan Greenfield 100 yards 
last dance for Ethan. So um, I think he's going to leave it all out there. Not that he doesn't anyway, but, you know, it's, there's something special about that last time. I'm going to say 98 yards under because they're going to have a lot of other things going on out there. Who has uh, more rushing yards, Luke Lanin or Ethan Greenfield? Luke Lanin. I also think it's going to be Luke Lanin. I think he's going to get a big one. Ethan Greenfield. At least we're not unanimous on all the everythings. Yeah, so I'm like the fourth string coin toss person. They were trying to get the governor of the state of Maryland and I think maybe the superintendent of the academy and then the mayor of Annapolis. And it's like, hey, it's like the 25th anniversary of the founding of D3Sports.com. And I'm like, yeah. And they said, how would you like to do the ceremonial coin toss? And I'm like, as long as you can hold an elevator for me so I can get back up to the press box by kickoff, that would be great. I'm glad to do that. It's a great honor, and it's also a little strange to me, but I love it. So you're going to have Keith carry that broadcast from uh, from about eight minutes out to kickoff? I think uh, Gordon will be up there. Uh, Gordon can carry, uh, can carry a broadcast pretty well, if need be. Also... Uh, yeah, it's eight minutes of Keith McMillan keys to the game. That is what you came here for. <laughs> Keith doing the starting lineup and the second person on the two deep for both sides. Listen, Keith will pick on me for being wordy, and he's right, but Keith's wordiness is something that actually I learn from all the time, so let's leave the man alone. By the time you get to this, maybe you should just take this out. <laughs> <laughs>